Welcome to First Christian Church. I'm really glad you're with us today. A number of years ago, we had a young couple join us here in ministry at First Christian Church. Darren and Dana Embry came to us from Vancouver, British Columbia. And Darren came with a specific goal and a specific purpose in mind that we outlined for him. We asked that he would help us grow in our theological understandings and also to help us grow in our technical abilities as a congregation. The computer systems that we have in play today, the screens and uh, projectors that are around the building, the basis of that was all put together by Darren. The theological statement of faith that you can read on our website or that in many ways informs who we are as a congregation was originally written by Darren. And so he came with the understanding of theology and technology and we continue to live out the great results of his work among us. A number of years ago, Darren and Dana and young Gabe left Decatur, Illinois and moved to Decatur, Texas, where Darren leads a church there called Crossroads Church. And we're very glad that they're with us today. Darren comes with God's word for us. Dana joins him, and of course, little Gabe is not so little anymore, but now a young man on the cusp of his own adulthood. In the past, our congregation received God's word for us through the embers. It was always good news. Today, there's more good news. God's thoughts for you, for me, for our congregation are coming to us today from Darren Embry, and I'm looking forward to what he has to say to us. Well, it's good to have you here today, ladies and gentlemen, here at First Christian Church, and um, I'm looking forward to what Darren has to bring to us, and we've had a great weekend with them already. They're here in town for a few more days, but in the meanwhile, uh, would you invite Darren into the pulpit, please? Well, I tell you, two words come to mind. Um, last night and this morning, emotional overload. It's crazy. You know, you come in and you think, ah, I've been here, we lived here for, th- uh, for 11 years. Uh, things are familiar, but they're new. They're new, but they're familiar. All this is going on. And we walked in here last night, it just broke down. I was, and for those of you who know, I'm just not an emotional person. So um, that was an understatement. Uh, yeah, I just... Seeing y'all and, uh, oh, golly, there it came out. <laughs> People, oh, never mind. Anyways, we're from, we're from Vancouver, Canada. We spent 11 years here in, in Illinois, and we've been in Texas, uh, just outside the Metroplex, well, just on the edge of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex for six years. And yes, I do have cowboy boots, I have a cowboy hat, and I have a big belt buckle. There's a, there's a long story that goes along with the belt buckle, but uh, and it's, it's a real neat story, but I'll save that for another time. Um, the years we spent here, just uh, tremendous, absolutely phenomenal. A lot of memories. This is where Gabe, our, our 14-year-old, was born. Many of you know our story, and just the, uh, many of you were just involved in praying for um, young Gabe to come along. And uh, for those of you who don't, uh, haven't met my family, it's my wife, Dana, down here, my boy, Gabe. And uh, it's a pleasure to be back here among friends and family, really. Um, this is Gabe's hometown uh, where he uh, grew up, and it's, it's just awesome to be back. Uh, met many of you already uh, out in the lobby, and uh, hopefully after the service, uh, and stop by and just uh, 
uh, shake hands, say hi, and it's good to see you all here. Well, I invite you to turn your Bibles this morning to Zechariah chapter 4. Zechariah 4. And uh, if you don't know where Zechariah is, you go to the split between the Old Testament and the New Testament and hang a left, two books. Okay, so Zechariah, just a, a small a prophetic book there. You know, when we think about it, um, I'm not really that, that young anymore. And back in the dark ages when I was growing up, we had these uh, technological devices called transistor radios. They were well ahead of their time, and uh, for those of you who are under 35, I'll explain them to you. Um, they were these small things. They were um, like a cell phone, but they were bigger, and they weren't like a cell phone at all. And they, were, they came in a number of different colors, and um, it had a speaker, and, and some of them had an antenna that you pulled up on them which always broke off, by the way. And then they had two dials on the side. And once again, if you're under 35 and you don't know what a dial is, you can Google it. Uh, what is a dial? And there were two dials on the side, and one, it switched on, and it was a volume dial. The other one was a tuning dial that tuned into radio waves. Now, Think about it for a moment. In this room, there are radio waves passing through this room, passing through your body, passing through your head, passing all through here. We don't see them, but just because we don't see them, it doesn't mean they don't exist. Those radio waves are going all through. Even this microphone I'm using, it uses radio waves to get from point A to point B, and we don't see them, but they, they exist. Well, these, these transistor radios were a device which tapped into those radio waves and would amplify them so you could hear them. And, and, and what I want us to talk about this morning is, is on that tuning dial, you could, you could mess around with it, and most of the time it was just static. It was like white noise, which the only good thing with white noise was to put babies to sleep. Uh, other than that, um, white noise was irritating, and you'd always try to tune in, and you'd get some whistles and squeaks and things, and then finally you'd come across a, a station with God's team, the Chicago Cubs, right? And so, um, <laughs> notice uh, the blue and red kind of going on, all right? So just kind of leaning on the pastor here a little bit. Uh, what kind of record does the St. Louis uh, team have? Uh, anyways, just uh, anyways, you can talk about that later. Um, and by the way, Texas is up there too, so, and notice the blue and red, and God's teams just tend to be blue and red, I don't know. But okay, um, <laughs> moving back away from that, so you tune this thing in and you get on this radio signal that was in tune. And what I want to talk about is being dialed in today, but not in a radio sense, in a spiritual sense. Once again, here we cannot see into the spiritual realm. But just because we can't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Much like radio waves, we can't see into the spiritual realms, but we have the device, you have the device, it's called yourself, because you've been created in the image of God, and the last time I checked, God was spiritual. God has wired you in a way, and you are the device which can be used to tap in this, into the spiritual realm and to hear the voice of God and to hear the heart of God for your life. That's what I want us to talk about today, is being dialed in spiritually. Here in the Old Testament, uh, well, let me say all through the Old Testament, you have many stories of God's people 
uh, just kind of doing their own thing, turning away from God and doing their own thing. And anytime they did that, and you can check it out, go chapter after chapter, book after book in the Old Testament, anytime God's people left his plans and his will and went their own way, it didn't end well. Never ended well. They never stepped up. They never traded up. It was always a negative thing, and it always ended up poorly for them. Well, here in Zechariah, we have a similar setting, and it's on the the tail end of all the repercussions that have happened to them. And in fact, what God's people did, they turned away from him, and they turned away so much that that an invading army came in. The Babylonians came in. They they took them into exile and took them back, back to Babylon. So this, this place, which we know as present-day Israel, which is God's uh, land that he'd given them, the promised land, the land of Canaan that, was, that belonged to God's people, they didn't live there in, anymore. In fact, they'd been, they'd been taken out of their land, out of the land that God had given them, and they were imprisoned in Babylon. So here's the setting in, in the book of Zechariah. God's people looking back into, um, into Israel, 70 years they've been in Babylon. And they're looking back into Canaan and they're seeing a land that was once flowing with milk and honey, that was once beautiful, that was once producing all sorts. It has been ravaged. Uh, the book of Isaiah talks about this land just being scorched. If you've ever seen a, p- a place where, where um, forest fires have gone through, it's just scorched. And this is the, the imagery that we have of Israel throughout these, these years that they've been away. So after 70 years, they're looking back into the land of Israel and they're seeing this devastation, which is representation, uh, a representation of their lives that are devastated without God. So God starts to stir the hearts of some leaders starts speaking through the prophets to these leaders. One leader is Zerubbabel. Now, if you have this wild, crazy uh, idea of calling a kid uh, of yours uh, um, uh, Zerubbabel, don't do it, please. That's just sheer child abuse, and you'll go to prison for it. No. (laughs) But um, so the prophets start speaking to Zerubbabel, and the Lord's calling Zerubbabel to go back and build the temple. Um, in all of this, if you um, are following through in the old, uh, end, near the end of the Old Testament, you have um, Ezra being called back to renew the, the commitment to the book of the law, the, the word of God. So you have Zerubbabel, you have Ezra, and you also have Nehemiah. Nehemiah has been called back uh, by God, and he's receiving instructions from the Lord to come back and build, rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. So God's starting to stir some things here. And here in Zechariah, we have the prophets speaking specifically to Zerubbabel about what's going on. Now, you think about, if, if we have any builders here, I know there's some construction people um, uh, that go to a First Christian here. But you think if you're a home builder and you're building a home for someone, there's a lot of weight on your shoulders, a lot of expectation. Um, and um, there's a, maybe some stress that goes with it. But you think about amping that up a little, not a little bit, a lot. You're building, you're being called by God to build his house. And Zerubbabel knows the track record of God's people. And he knows it's not good. And he knows he can't do this on his own. And he's going to have to, he's going to have to hire some people. And he's going to have to bring some people along. And he knows his own heart and his own uh, shortfallings and, uh, and his own uh, inabilities and his, his own shortcomings and all these things, uh, let alone the rest of the people who he's got to pull in. So he's got this huge task ahead of him, and he starts, I won't say he starts to freak out, but I'm sure he's worried. How are we going to pull this off? How are we going to do this? How are we going to accomplish these things um, and, and that God has called us to do? And so fear and worry starts to, to assemble, and, and <laughs> as if on cue, 
God speaks to the prophet Zechariah and he says these words to Zerubbabel. Zechariah 4, verse 6. Then he said to me, this is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel. It is not by force nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Nothing, not even a mighty mountain will stand in Zerubbabel's way. It will become a a level plain before him. And you see, for us, even as Christ followers, we can get into this similar situation as Zerubbabel when we go, this task is immense. The stakes are high. I've committed my life to Christ. I've given my life to him. I've given my heart to the Lord and and I'm I'm called to to follow him. I'm called to live a different way. I'm called to to, uh, accomplish great things for him. And and like Zerubbabel, we're sitting there looking into the promise and going, I don't know if I can pull this off. How can I do this? And maybe fear and trembling starts starts to arise in, in our lives. How can we be godly? How can, can we be a man of God? How can we be a woman of God, a husband uh, uh, who honors God, a wife, a young person, an old person, pleasing God with the tasks of everyday life? How do we do it? And there's this, this conflict between functioning well and flopping, between being healthy and being sick, between being in shape and out of shape, mentally healthy or not, or even righteous or sinful. There's this huge need for us to be dialed in to the Holy Spirit, to be dialed in to God and and what he has to say to us, especially knowing our track record, especially knowing who you are and, and what your propensity is, what my propensity is. But the truth is God has provided for you. And I believe the Apostle Paul in Galatians 5 has some, some words of encouragement for us today. He has some, uh, some, some things he wants to reveal to us. And in Galatians 5, verse 16, take a look. He says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. He goes on to say, these two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. That's important to note. You are not free to carry out what you intend. Verse 18, but when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under the obligation of the law of Moses. And he proceeds to go on and talk about these opposing and conflicting ramifications or manifestations. In verse 19, he he, proceeds lays out a list and he, he, he talks about those who live according to the spirit or, or, or according to the flesh. Uh, the results or the, the, the manifestations of that are obvious. He says, you don't have to go looking for it. You know, if you have a flat tire in your car, it's obvious you have a flat tire in your car. You go down the road, you know, I had a flat tire about three weeks ago coming back from a golf outing and we were going along the freeway and, and it was noticeable. I had to pull over. And what Paul is saying here is it's noticeable, it's obvious when someone is living according to the flesh and he he proposes this list. Here's just a few things that that happen. Fits of rage and sexual immorality and hatred and discord. All these things are manifestations of living according to the flesh. In verse 24 and, uh, sorry, in verse 22 and following, he, he, he looks to the other side, those who are led by the Spirit, those who are in sync, those who are dialed in to what God has for them uh, will also have some manifestations and some results and, and a product, what we call the fruit of the Spirit. 
says those are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and the list goes on. Take a look at verse 24. He says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our life. The New International Version says, let us keep in step with the Holy Spirit, not racing on ahead, not lagging on behind, but keeping in step. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. And once again, he's referring to the sinful nature. You know, it was over the holidays um, last, last year that really felt God just, just resonating some things in my heart. And uh, as, I, as I stopped and as I did some studying and as I did some praying, I really felt that the word the Lord was giving me was alignment. Alignment. Lining up, tuning in, dialing in to His Holy Spirit and all that he has for me, all that he has for us. And as I continued to, to think that through and, and, and meditate on it and pray it through, I, I found myself in January in front of a group of our leaders, and we do these, these leader recharge events a number of times throughout the year. It's a midweek event. We, we pull them in just before lunch, and we have a time of worship together, and then I get to share my heart, and we, we eat lunch together. It's just a neat time to knit our leaders at Crossroads Church together. And I really felt the Lord impressing on my heart to, to share this, this message of alignment with our leaders. And I told them there that I believe that this is one of the most critical messages for Christ followers. I believe for, for even for my life, this is one of the most critical messages that, that I've had to wrestle with and I've had to, to chew on and I've had to embrace. And it was shortly after that, that that Pastor Wayne called me up and we got talking and, and he invited me to, to preach this Sunday. And, I, and before I hung the phone up, I knew exactly what I needed to preach on this morning. And it was this message about, about spiritual alignment. I really believe it's something that the Lord's laid on my heart for First Christian Church, beginning of, of July in 2016. You know... Back when our, our boy Gabe was uh, young, we were living here in Decatur, we would go down to the Children's Museum often. And uh, as I was preparing this message, a image came to my mind, and it was interesting that it was an image back here in Decatur, Illinois. Because we would go down to the Children's Museum, and there's, I don't know if it's still there, but there was an exhibit there at the Children's Museum that it was a water table. And it, it, it had a, a spout at the top and there's water coming out the top of this water table and the water was flowing down the table through all these little sorts of pegs that they had and down to a drain at the bottom of the table. And so Gabe and I got going on it and we would, we would put uh, these blocks in and you could divert the water in different directions on this water table. You can move it to the left, move it to the right. And we were having such a great time because we were making a mess and we were putting these blocks in and water was foaming up and it was churning and it was spilling out the sides of the table. We were getting wet. We were getting other people wet and we were moving these blocks around. We were laughing, having a grand old time. And, and it was just messy and sloppy. And, and, and then we look at this mess that we created and then we got this idea, hey, let's take out all the blocks. Let's remove all these blocks. Let's get rid of them. So quickly, we grabbed them, we grabbed them, we grabbed them, pulled them all out, and we looked at it. And it was amazing just to see the water come out from the top, and it flowed just straight down the table and into the drain. No mess, no slop, no anything. It was, just, it was like it was intended to do that. And I believe that that was the picture the Lord gave me of our lives sometimes. 
The intent is that, that he would be flowing in us and through us in every aspect of our lives, and yet so often we put these obstacles in the way and the mess and the chaos that, that's created because of it is not what he'd ever intended. And I believe too often our obstacles or our lack of alignment impedes the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and it exposes us to things of this world that God had never intended us to be exposed to. I wanna say that again because it's so important. I believe that the obstacles that we put in our lives the obstacles that we set up in our lives impedes the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, much like water flowing down that table. And it also exposes us, let me put it, make it personal, it exposes you to things that God never intended you to be exposed to. I believe that wholeheartedly. So what does alignment look like? What does keeping in step with the Holy Spirit look like? And I believe if we look at our, ourselves, if we look at our lives, if we look at our, our makeup, we could uh, say that, that we are made up of three components in essence. We are made up of body, soul, and spirit. If you think of God himself, he is triune, which means he is, he is three in one. So it makes sense that, that we created in his image would, would be in essence three in one. Let me draw a diagram. I'm not the artist of the family, but I will do my best to uh, make my wife proud. But uh, it's gonna look a little bit like a snowman, but stick with me. <clears throat> if you're taking notes, if you're drawing, if you've got a doodle pad on your iPad or something, you go for it. But in this bottom circle, I want you to write body. And in the next circle up, I want you to write soul, and in the top one, I want you to write spirit. And then we're gonna take a, you don't probably have the luxury of a red uh, pen, but we're gonna draw an arch over the top. And that's representative of the blood of Jesus Christ. So when we talk about spiritual alignment, we're talking about our body, soul, and spirit falling under the blood of Jesus Christ. Our body falling under the authority, falling under Submission to your soul. My body falling in submission and under the authority of my soul. When we talk about spiritual alignment, we talk about our soul falling under the authority and under the covering and under the, the, the authority of our spirit. It's our regenerated spirit as, as 1 John 3 talks about, the seed that God has planted within the lives of those who've given their lives to him, who have stepped across that line of faith. It is a regenerated spirit with, the, with a seed that's been planted in us and in you by the Holy Spirit. So our body in submission and under the covering and authority of, of our soul, our soul being our mind, our will and our emotions, those things make up our soul and then our spirit all under the submission and in submission to and under the authority of the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, um, in our Western culture, we quickly, when we hear that word submission, we bristle, we go, oh, no, that can't be good. Because we're free, we're not, we're not supposed to be bound, we're not supposed to be in submission, but let me give you a, a, a um, an equivalent um, phrase or explanation when I talk about under the authority or un in submission to, I want you to think under the protection and under the covering of. So when, we, when our bodies are in submission to and under the authority of our soul, we're in fact under the, the covering and protection of 
our mind, our will, and our emotions. Our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions falls in submission to, but it's under the covering and under the protection of our regenerated spirit and our, and our entire being is under the covering and under the protection of the blood of Jesus Christ. So this is what we talk about when we talk about alignment, submission, under the protection of, and we are in, line, in alignment when the Spirit remains on top, placing all three components under the protection of the blood of Jesus Christ. So that's, that's a great drawing, it's, it's a great image, but if we were to sit down and talk, uh, it wouldn't take long before you and I would come to the conclusion that this isn't always the case. My life doesn't always look like this. Your life doesn't always look like that. Life gets out of whack. Life gets out of alignment sometimes. Well, why and what happens? When circles move up and they move out of, uh, out of line, they, they, be, they come out of the covering and they come out from under the protection. And they're exposed, I believe, to the attacks of the enemy. And this is the whole emphasis of Romans chapter eight. Romans 8 talks about this getting skewed and this getting out of whack. Well, one thing that happens, maybe not to any of you, but for me, my soul, my mind, my will, and my emotions loves to lead my life. It loves to step out from under the covering. It loves to step out from under the authority, and it begins to lead my life. And what happens when this takes place? Well, the soul is in control. It moves to the top of the stack and your spirit is forced, your regenerated spirit is forced into submission. And here, although the spirit and the flesh remain under the protection of the blood of Christ, your spirit, your, sorry, your soul is now exposed to, the, to Satan's fiery darts and you're walking in the flesh. Remember, we talked about our, our soul being our mind, our will, and our emotions. Well, in Romans 8, 8, it says the mind of a sinful person is death. The mind of a sinful person is death, but it also, it goes on to say, Romans 8, 8, that the mind under the control of the spirit is life. So the submission and the covering and the protection. Think of King David. Wrote psalm after psalm after psalm, and in Psalm 42 and 43, what does he do? He calls his soul into submission. He says, why so downcast, O oh my soul? This is God's chosen man. And he's saying, why so downcast, O oh my soul? Why are you leading the way in my life? And he commands and he orders his soul to fall in line. He says, put your hope in God. He commands his soul to put his hope in God. You can do it. I can do it. You need to do it. I need to do it. Put your hope in God, for yet I will praise him, my Savior and my God. I need to command uh, my will to fall in line. I need to command my thoughts to fall in line, my emotions to fall in line. Your actions are no longer under the control of, of the Holy Spirit's will, but your actions are controlled by your emotions and your thoughts and your will. This is what happens. And now, does that mean that your, your mind, your will, and your emotions are, are wrong? Do we need to check our, our brain at the door? Do we need to stop thinking? Do we need to, to say, my emotions are bad? 
Truth be told, there's a lot of churches have gone that way. Your, your emotions are going to lead you astray, so you just got to, you can't be an emotional person. You can't express yourself to the Lord. You can't, you can't say what your true heart is feeling. Well, that's a bunch of junk. But yet, when it gets leading the way, that's what leads to death. But when it falls in alignment, when it falls under submission to a regenerated spirit and it fits in line, it brings life. Because the spirit is forced into submission, its growth is also stopped. For these reasons, it's critical and important to maintain a spiritual alignment at all times. Think of even the strongholds that we have in our minds, how our minds get running on ahead. Our minds get leading the way. Paul in 2 Corinthians 10, he, he, he says we take every thought captive. Why does he say that? He, in fact, is ordering his mind. He's, he's telling the Corinthian church, he says, you need to get a hold of this. And it's not just willpower. What it is, it's the, it's, it's the alignment. It's the submitting your mind, your will, and your emotions under the blood of Jesus Christ. And making his mind, even his thoughts, obedient to Christ. It's something that we, we all struggle with. What happens when the body is in control and it moves out from under the authority? What happens when this isn't the soul, but it's the body that moves out and it starts to lead the way and its impulses and its desires and it's, you've never been there, have you? And have you ever followed an impulse? And I told the other two service, I wasn't gonna ask for a show of hands, but maybe in this service, I, no. It's confession time, come on. Romans 8, 7 says the mind governed by the body is hostile to God. Paul in Romans is saying when the body slips out of line and it starts to take control, you become hostile to God. Not only vulnerable to the, the darts and the attacks of the enemy, but hostile to the creator. Hostile to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And this happens all the time. Christians, that's where, where we get to this point where we go, well, I thought you were a Christ follower. I thought I was a Christ follower, and yet look what's gone on. How does someone whose life is committed to Christ do the things they do? Uh, but I've given my life to Christ, so why do I still struggle with this? This is what takes place, these physical impulses. And I believe it, it's moving toward pleasurable things that hurt you or moving away from painful things that will help you. Let me say that again, moving toward pleasurable things that will hurt you or moving away from painful things that will help you. We're in such a society of indulgence. Just, if it feels good, do it. Thrill-seeking and feel-good activities. Some it can be as seemingly benign as shopping. Ah, I just, I have this need to go shopping. None of you ever had that, did you? No guys did anyways. <laughs> Maybe it's the eating thing. I don't know, I just, I gotta eat. You know, you see the buffet sign, you gotta turn in. You, you see the, the, the Krispy Kreme light on and I just, I had to. I can't explain it, I, I, I just, for whatever reason, maybe it's an escape. Maybe it's a reward. Well, I, I deserve it. I've had a rough week. And you see where this starts to go? 
on the extreme, it can lead to sexual sin, pornography and adultery, inappropriate activities, illicit sexual relationships. It's allowing your body to take the lead in your life and to make the decisions for you. Does it mean that, that your, your body is bad? Does it mean that there's a movement decades and centuries ago where there was a belief that anything to do with the physical body was sinful and in some way you had to set that aside and, 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 and there was no way you could get close to God unless you completely crucified your body because your body let... But what I want us to see is that under the authority and covering of our mind, our will, and emotions, and under the authority and covering of regenerated spirit, and under the authority and covering of the blood of Jesus Christ, our body is something that we can glorify the Lord with. You know, too often we're led by the flesh and the impulses. Um, our boy's 14, he's going into high school, and and um, getting ready for some fall sports in Texas. Uh, I tell you, football is religion in Texas. And um, among other things, he runs cross country too, and so he's got quite a, a summer regiment uh, to get ready for the fall. And uh, so he does CrossFit during the week. Um, I, I wimp out and I just run. So he does the hard work. And then on Saturdays, it's kind of a neat thing at, at the CrossFit box that he goes to is they do a Saturday morning kind of guys thing. And the, the owner's a Christian, and he huddles the guys up, dads and sons, and, and we have a great, great time. Uh, some encouragement and some motivation. And it was, it was amazing that uh, three, four weeks ago, we were doing a Saturday morning workout, and, and um, he started, the owner started talking about um, taking um, control or, 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 or managing and, and rising above um, when it comes to your mind, your will, and your emotions. Obviously, when it, when it comes to your workout, but obviously when it comes to other parts of your life as well. And, and so as we're lifting and running, doing all these things, I said, hey, funny thing, you know, I'm preaching on this in a number of weeks. And, uh, and I'm talking about, about taking the authority over our body, taking authority over our mind, our will, and our emotions. Well, it was later on in our workout that uh, our, it was one of our final uh, uh, things that we needed to do was we needed to take a 45-pound plate, and it doesn't seem like a lot, but a 45-pound plate and hold it over our heads for three minutes. And um, uh, I thought, oh, yeah, no big deal. Uh, you know, hey, I'm in shape. I can do this. You know, if, you know my 14-year-old can do it. I can do it, right? So I'm sitting there, and I get this thing in the air, and the clock starts ticking, and I'm like, it's only been five seconds? <laughs> what? It's only been 15? I tell you, I wanted to drop it. I, I wanted to just drop it. And, and what's going through my mind is, no big deal. No one's going to laugh at you much. You know, they're just, they're just, so just drop it and walk away. And no big deal. You know, you can come back next week and try again. And, but with this thing that we've been talking about and this message that's been going through my head as I'm holding this plate over my head, I realized I needed to take authority over my body. Even though my will wanted to drop that, that weight, I knew that I needed to stop that voice. And so right there, I just said, body, I take authority over you right now. And I'm not letting this thing down. 
I'm not letting it down. I'm not letting it down. And my arms are going numb, and the blood's rushing out of my fingers, and I can't feel my fingers anymore, and I'm just, and I'm starting to shake and wobble, and everyone else is laughing at me. And, and, but I just kept doing it. I just said, body, you have no authority here. You are the bottom of that snowman, and my will is taking authority over you right now. And praise the Lord, I lasted three minutes and then I dropped it and uh, someone else had to drive me home. But uh, <clears throat> it was fun. That's at least what they said it was. But it's this whole idea of, of too often, and I haven't said this in the other services, but too often we, we have this victim mentality of, oh no, I'm just a victim. I'm just a, 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 a product of all these other things. And no, you have been given the authority through Jesus Christ by his blood paid for your spirit to take authority over your mind, your will, and your emotions, and your body. Your body only is allowed to do what you allow it to. I will not be led into pleasurable things that will hurt me. I will not be led away from difficult things that will help me. You know, it's interesting, what happens when, when we get this out of whack and out of alignment and things get skewed and, and somebody comes and taps us on the shoulder? Maybe it's the Holy Spirit taps us on the shoulder. Maybe it's a spiritual mentor of yours. Maybe it's, a, a, your, maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's a good friend, uh, whoever it might be. But they come up to you and they say, you know, uh, I've been just noticing things are a little off. I don't know how many people go, hey, um, yeah, tell me more. Yeah, hey, you know, come and hit me again. Um, most of us are, are backing away and we're going, no way, man. No, uh-uh, not me. No, it's all cool. It's all, it's all great. It's, I'm fine. Just get lost. Remember it says that the mind of a sinful person is hostile to God. I think that's what we tend to do. We know things are out of alignment. We know things are, we, we know we got a flat tire on our car. We know we're not tuned and dialed into that, that, that clear station to hear from God. And yet, when the Holy Spirit comes and starts tapping us on the shoulder, when, when someone starts speaking in our life and going, you know what, something isn't lining up here. Something's not making sense. What do we do? We go, we turn hostile. And it's not something to be ashamed of, it's, it's something to recognize because you even go back to Genesis 3 and here you have Adam and Eve who were created in the garden and they were, they were walking with God and what happened when, when this got out of alignment in their, their life and their body took over and made a decision for them, they became hostile to God as God comes looking for them. What did they do? They hid. It's what we do. But it's not what God had intended. You're, hear me, your body was never meant to rule your life. And it will rule your life if you allow it to. It'll take over. If there's an abdication of leadership, it's gonna jump to the top. Same thing with your soul. Your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. Once again, your, your mind, your will, and your emotions, your body, they're not bad things. But if they get out of line, they're gonna lead your life and they were never intended to lead your life. Instead, your spirit needs to be deeply enmeshed with the spirit of God, with authority over your entire being, surrendered, submitted, and protected. You go back to Zerubbabel. How do, how do I do this? How do I make it happen? 
Same thing with us. How do we do this? How do we make it happen? And what was God's word through the prophet? He said, it's not in your own might. It's not in your own strength. It's by my spirit. The wonderful thing about this is you don't have to make this happen on your own. God has said, I've given you my Holy Spirit to enable you and to empower you. You know, we talk at Crossroads Church down there, we talk about being engaged and empowered followers of Christ, engaged that we stay so connected and so tight with God. And through that, we receive the empowering. What did, what did Jesus say to his disciples when he called them in, in Mark 1, 7? He said, come with me, stay connected to me. And then what did he say? We get to the fishers of men's side and we think of, oh, cool, bass. But what did he say before? He said, I will make you. I'll do it. You don't have to do it on your own. Come with me. Stay connected with me. I will make you. Turn to 1 Thessalonians. I'm going to close with this. 1 Thessalonians 5.23. You got the amplified version because you're the, the final service. So I'm just going to be all late for lunch. And I'm sorry about that. But 1 Thessalonians 5.23, and, and this is, is Paul giving a revelation to a young church, and it's right along these lines. He says this in verse 23, may God himself, keep that in mind, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. You don't have to sanctify yourself. You don't have to make this happen yourself. God will do it. Same thing in 1 John, my seed planted in you. I'm doing it. And get this, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless. Does that sound familiar? May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful. And if you are in the habit of underlining, if you've got those cool highlighters for your Bible, you pull them out right now and you wave them around with pride. Okay, if you have a, a, an electronic version, you can tap and drag and it highlights. I want you to highlight these four words. He will do it. He will do it. Don't get on this prideful side, hey, yeah, I got, no. Just tap out, okay, and say, God, you come in. You help me with this. You help me to fit into alignment. Life, all that God has for us, dialing in, tuning into what he has for us. I'm inviting you to pray with me. And just quickly before we, uh, um, we conclude here, I want to lead you in a prayer of submission. And I don't want you to bristle at that word, but it, this is a prayer that I've been praying since, uh, uh, since the holidays last year. And it's really a prayer of saying body, it's really commanding our body to fall in, uh, under the authority and to submit to our soul commanding and taking authority of our soul and saying, soul, fall in line under our spirit. And spirit, my regenerated spirit, fall in line under the blood of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to lead us in this prayer. And I'd encourage you as a model, as, as the Holy Spirit prompts it in your life, and maybe it's something you want to do daily, that you would, you would set this in your life as a priority and getting things in line each and every day before you even start your day. And so, Lord, right here in this place, we command under the authority of Jesus Christ, we command our, our bodies to fall in line. Our bodies want to go their own way. They want to do their own thing. The impulses and urges are amazing. They're incredible. They are, they are just so intense at times. 
And yet right here we command our bodies to fall in line. Likewise, we command our our souls. We command our mind, our will, and our emotion to fall in in line, to fall in, in, in under the authority of our spirit, our regenerated spirit. And spirit, you've been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, and we command you to fall in line and under the authority of the blood of Jesus Christ, the covering and the protection. And Lord, we receive all that you have for us. We thank you that we don't have to do it on our own. It's not by our strength. It's not by our power or our might, but it's by your spirit. We do thank you for that. We love you, Lord. And we invite your Holy Spirit to do an incredible work in each of our lives. Lord, I pray a blessing and an anointing over each person here at First Christian Church. The ministry that you've called them collectively to, the ministry you've called them individually to, and you've called families to. I pray that, Lord, you would uh, multiply the, the, the impact that they have in this community and even around the world. I pray that your Holy Spirit would breathe an incredible breath of life into this place and, and that breath would, would stream from this, uh, this room and this building out through the community and it would bring uh, just a breath of fresh air to Decatur, to this county, to this state, and to the world. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray.